Hey y'all, hey, this is Safe Space with Shay. I am back and we are going to be talking about prenatal and maternal mental health. I have a special guest, Jackie Tyson, who is a licensed clinical social worker. Um, and she is based in North Carolina, I believe. Um, and I have her on the line. So hi, Jackie. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, thanks for asking. Thanks for having me today. No problem. So I kind of just give a little um, minute for my guests to introduce themselves, their practice, how long they've been in practice, um, what do they love most about um, being a clinician. So if you don't mind. Sure, sure. So I'm Jackie um, Tyson, and I am a licensed clinical social worker in North Carolina. I'm originally from New Jersey. Um, Prior to becoming a licensed therapist here, I was in the field of public health for several years, since like 2009, Mm -hmm. and been working in various, um, I guess, fields in public health, working with substance abuse prevention, parenting skills. And lastly was um, maternal health um, prior, again, to becoming a therapist. Um, what I love about becoming uh, being a therapist is this ability to combine all of my interests and experience into the helping profession and working with individuals both um, on a one-on-one level, but also working um, with organizations and being able to kind of advocate on people's behalf. Awesome. Yeah, I know it's such a rewarding job, um, just having an impact on so many people. And it's just so much going on today. And I know it just really feels good to be a light to a lot of people. And um, I know it's just so rewarding. So thank you so much for your service. So today we are going to be. Oh, yeah. Yep. So today we are going to be talking about, like I mentioned before, the prenatal and maternal mental health. Mental health, it impacts us um, in all parts of our lives. And in particular, I know for um, women who are going through the process of um, the prenatal and maternal process. So my first question is, how does mental health impact prenatal and maternal care? Um, and in fact, it impacts a lot. Um, when I was working in public health, uh, we did something called preconception counseling, which is like before you even get pregnant. So mental health um, care is really important before even getting pregnant because what happens is that having the um, symptoms reduced or maintained is really important when someone is pregnant. Um, or afterwards, because when someone's pregnant, then of course, you know, there's a lot of hormones that are going on, um, new adjustment to things that probably weren't expected. And sometimes there's anxiety, sometimes there's depression that's been untreated. So when there's a huge surge of hormones, it can really impact um, some of those symptoms that might not have been managed. So mental health is really important, or at least mental health care yes. is really important to 
hopefully be addressed before um, someone gets pregnant um, and, of course, afterwards as well, too. Definitely. Yeah. And I know it's so critical because you have so many women who suffer from postpartum. Um, and so that's always, you know, something that a lot of women, you know, experience. And sometimes they feel alone. Sometimes there's shame. Um, there's guilt behind that. So I feel like, yeah, that definitely um, needs to be addressed and stated and just make sure that we continue to have these conversations, normalizing them so that people can feel comfortable um, stating if they're struggling with something, you know, as it pertains to their uh, prenatal and maternal care. So how does, yeah. So how does this impact the black indigenous and people of color community? Well, you know, prior, even before becoming pregnant, right, or becoming a parent, um, people of color already have a lot of um, systemic issues that they deal with. Mm -hmm. So um, specifically when it comes to the perinatal and maternal health field, Black women are three times more likely to die from a pregnancy-related cause than white women. And um, also maternal mental health disorders, such as like what you said, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, etc. They impact up to one in five of the expecting and postpartum mothers, but only 15% of these moms uh, receive professional help. But also, again, because of other factors such as um, like quality health care that's mm-hmm. missing, such as provider shortages or just providers of color that are aware, different kinds of chronic conditions that haven't been addressed, um, not just mental health, but physical conditions, structural racism, implicit bias, like all of these different factors come in. And so when we talk about moms of color, they suffer at a 40% rate, um, mm. a higher rate of postpartum depression. So they have one of the, um, when it's black and Latina women, um, they suffer, of course, at a higher rate of postpartum depression when thinking about all of the other um, social issues and systemic issues that they deal with. Oh my God, those statistics are very alarming to just hear. Um it's just like, wow. So like, like what can we do as far as like regular folks in the community to um, just help bring this down, like normalize? Is there anything in our capacity that we can do? Yeah. I mean, I think kind of what you said that um, normalizing it, um, being able to know that, some of these issues um, are are normal, you know, and mm-hmm. knowing what the warning signs are, I think is really important because sometimes, especially when it comes to healthcare and whatnot, um, the thoughts are, oh, maybe I've, I've already had um, a kid. I know what it's like, so I don't need to go back for healthcare again. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything things change, bodies change, experiences change, um, and sometimes things haven't been addressed. And so knowing what some of those maternal warning signs are really important, 
getting proper preconception counseling, such as or care rather, mm-hmm. so such as um, you know, checking for your diabetes, checking, knowing the family history if you do know it, um, checking for blood pressure issues, like because all of those chronic health issues um, can have uh, impact on the health of the mom and of the baby. And then, of course, if there's extra um, issues at play as well, then that's going to impact the mental health as well. So just normalizing it, getting um, appropriate health care if possible, maintaining those, um, you know, support systems, I think is going to be really crucial. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. And so, what about moms who miscarried um, or who has stillborns? Like they go through this whole process too of it's, it's a grieving process and it takes the toll on them mentally as well. Um, and even those who are having trouble conceiving. Um, so I guess what are some signs that um, we can look for in those women who are clearly, you know, suffering? Um, due to that um, incident? Mm. I think um, sometimes like isolation. So Mm. when someone is isolating or not really um, reaching out to their support network or they might not be as interested in um, things that used to be enjoyable Mm. or they... Um, are crying or um, of course it looks a little bit differently with some people sometimes crying isn't always you know the the first thing that comes out but it might be like this interest in um, you know pleasurable things that used to happen or that they used to enjoy rather maybe not being able to sleep or sleeping too much um, it could also look like maybe changes in their food intake, maybe not wanting to eat as much or eating more than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those things can be small differences mm-hmm. um, that people think is normal, um, but eventually can can take a toll, especially if not processed um, appropriately. Because um, many times when it's, people of color um, or just anybody who's grieving sometimes we rush through the process and like there's not enough time to grieve like okay gotta go do you know my my responsibilities mm-hmm. and um, it can take its toll and um, can impact different parts of life that people don't really realize such as sleep or eating habits or health um, which, which all kind of interact all together yeah, and hygiene, too, because I know sometimes people won't shower. They'll just kind of lay around. Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up. Those are good signs to look out for. So let's talk about this. How important is it to ask those questions as far as, like, acknowledging what happened, right? Like, I know you lost your baby. How have you been feeling? Like, is that good or bad, or should you be avoiding because I'm thinking you need to ask that because it's something that's going unsaid which is causing this distress so I don't know what do you what's your view on that yeah I think I definitely agree I think um, back to normalizing it you know 
um, sometimes, especially for when you lose either a baby or a pregnancy, um, some people will feel um, like they can't talk about it. So sometimes, unfortunately, society could say, oh, you know, it wasn't born yet or mm-hmm. it was only so long or, you know, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't get to know the baby that long mm-hmm. or whatever it is, right? right? That it can really have an impact on how someone can feel comfortable in expressing their grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's really important, like you said, to, you know, check in on the, the parent, mm-hmm. um, whether it's mom, dad, whoever, you know, um, because both parties can be impacted, yes. you know, um, and they can also grieve differently as well, too. And it can be a really difficult time, especially if they grieve differently. Mm-hmm. So reaching out um, and just checking in, I think, is the best thing that you can do, like you said. And there are some resources out there of, like, if you don't know what to say, like, how do you say it or what to say? Mm-hmm. Um, there are some resources out there to say, like, w- what are appropriate words to use mm-hmm. when you're checking in on someone who just, you know, lost a baby or lost a pregnancy? Yes, I'm so glad you touched on that, too, because I think, um, in, you know, not just in, well, in society, too, as a whole, we have this pain avoidance or grief avoidant approach with everything. And like you said, kind of minim- trying to minimize the loss instead of blatantly like acknowledging that there was a loss and that you're holding space for that person. Um, it's just, it's so important to do that, but we are so uncomfortable as a whole, like dealing with those difficult things. And I feel like um, going through those thing- things and facing them head on will somewhat kind of ease or um, I guess comfort the, the parents who are grieving the loss, right? Yeah, definitely. And there, there can be so many different things that happen depending on when the parent has lost the baby that, um, that the parent is going through, you know, mm-hmm. like, if they already had the nursery, you know, mm. or if the, 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 the mom or the pregnant person um, is, is having breast milk that's coming out and they no longer have the baby. You know, there's so many different um, things that can happen when losing um, a baby or, or, or you know, um, losing a pregnancy mm. that that can impact and really um, have consequences on a person's mental health and their grief process that not everyone is aware is that the family is going through. Yeah, that's a good point. So how important is it to exercise self-compassion? Can I say like a thousand? As much as possible. You know, I'm always for that uh, fact of trying to just normalize um, that there are so many expectations that the world puts on on people mm-hmm. and really breaking down those expectations and those barriers. Um, it can be very difficult because of cultural expectations, yeah. intergenerational trauma yes. that people have of, and then it comes out and manifests as I don't, I guess, 
I don't want to keep saying expectations, but can manifest different ways, such as, you know, being really critical of oneself mm-hmm. or trying to avoid things. Um, and so self-compassion, I think, is super important, um, whether it's someone losing a baby or uh, losing a pregnancy or even just a person who just had a baby. Right. right? Sometimes there's mom guilt, there's, mm-hmm. there's a parent guilt, there's, you know, am I being enough? Am I being enough for my partner? You know, there's a lot of adjustments that happen there too. So mm-hmm. um, self-compassion in all regards is, is super important because it, it's a huge adjustment. And of course, sometimes you're used to also having cleaner home or whatnot right yeah. and when you have a new baby you know your sleep is up impacted you're at the beck and call of this baby and so of course cleaning and cooking and all of those things are going to be impacted so self-compassion is super important during all phases of this process yes good 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 and then another thing I want to put emphasis on too that I'm just recently finding out food what we eat like making like conscious choices of what we consume because it also impacts the way we feel yeah yeah yes yes all all related yeah yeah for sure um yeah well that was good did you want to add anything else did I miss something that you had that you wanted to share or just put emphasis Um, on? No, I think that, you know, you asked all all the right questions and um, all the questions to to really um, normalize this this process and what people can uh, deal with. Um, Oh, I guess the, the most important thing that I would like to emphasize is that a lot of people confuse, um, postpartum depression, the postpartum anxiety, with postpartum psychosis and mm. the blues that they call them, okay, right? yeah. A lot of um, sensation, sensationalism, I guess, has happened or media attention has been mostly on like postpartum psychosis, okay. right? Um, which is why sometimes there is a stigma of people reaching out for help when they might have postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or postpartum OCD. They're all different types of disorders or all different types of um, symptoms that happen. Uh They are not the same. So I guess I wanted to emphasize that, that um, sometimes people think that what they see on the news with psychosis is what depression is. And so they think, oh, well, I'm, I'm not experiencing that. So I'm not, I'm okay. Mm. You know, um, they all look differently. So just if you are aware that something is off than it used to be, then I would still suggest reaching out. That's good. Really good point. You're right. Because yeah, they, anything that's sensationalized and put out there, they'll say, oh, I don't, fit that bill I'm good but not realizing that you know there are other maybe signs and symptoms that you may be experiencing and um not even realizing it so I'm glad you made that point as well yes thank you also you know getting the knowledge about 
the differences I think is, is super important because everyone knows someone that has had a baby or is about to have a baby, you know, so, yeah. so knowing the, just, you know, what, again, back to those warning signs of, you know, is this, is this what, what could be going on with my loved one or my friend? Yeah, definitely. And I want to um, put emphasis on, um, even if you're not the person going through this and you know a person, um, educate yourselves to be a good support system for them. And when I say good, I just mean um, just can give them ease or comfort in their moment. And I know it's so difficult for a lot of people to lean into that, but it's so important for this person to properly grieve or just have support, you know, after they have the baby, like it's really healthy. And I know it seems like, how is that? But it is, you know, um, I just feel like we just live in a pain avoiding society and we feel like avoiding the pain is going to make it go away and it doesn't. So I just ask everyone listening to just make space for those who are going through um, some emotional and mental distress moments. It's critical and um, very important. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you, Jackie, for joining me. I know um, you are based in North Carolina, right? So if anyone in North Carolina is listening or New Jersey, you're servicing those two areas? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Are you accepting new clients? I am. I am. Awesome. So, yeah, you can reach me at uh, www.kaluluwalkcounseling.com, which is K-A-L-U-L-U-W-A counseling.com. Awesome. And then I'm definitely going to post your website in the um, show notes. So it'll take you right to her website. I told Jackie, I love your website. It is so calming. I'm such a water person. So I was just comforted going on her website. So definitely. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. I appreciate you. I got to give you a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to having another conversation with you later. Thank you guys for joining. No problem. Thanks. Bye bye.